want to start off with just uh, reading our text for today. It's Ephesians chapter 5, 17 through 21. It says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, I'm so thankful for the last two Sundays. Uh, The messages from Pastor Nilo and Pastor Jeff were really a blessing. And it was nice to have a few weeks to get some rest. On, On one Saturday night, I almost didn't know what to do with myself because I wasn't pulling music and and uh, getting uh, getting music uh, out of the files, which, by the way, they're really not they're really not files. It's a stack of white paper that never gets refiled, and uh, it's Katie May's job to help me out with that. Um, and she goes, "Dad, we got to take care of this." And I, I know we do, but she's looking for a little bit of that, and I'm not so sure. But um, it was great to just have a rest, and but it was also great just to sit down and be fed from God's word. It's a blessing just to be where you are and to hear and to, and to just hear God's word being taught. And, and that being said, last night, and I'm very, really open, honest guy, probably to my faults, I guess, if that can be. I actually had a hard time last night, uh, a difficult time with writing uh, this sermon. And, uh, you know, and yes, I write my final sermon out on each Saturday night. And I, and I like to I think on it during the weeks. So I study, I read the text, and I pray for guidance. I pray for insight into the text. And then on Saturday, I like to type it out so that it's really fresh, that it's there in my mind and, and ready to go. And I struggled last night, and Karen actually knew that was happening. Um, she says to me, she says, uh, Ron, what's up? You just got up to take out a few pieces of miscellaneous recycling, which is true. There was like a couple pieces of cardboard. I'm like, I'm getting up, taking out. She goes, boy, you're just really kind of putting it off. And I'm not putting it off. I was just struggling. And I don't, you know, maybe it's spiritual warfare. Maybe it's just, I'm not that smart, which really could be. And uh, I was having a hard time. And I share this with you, not for you to now go, oh man, today's not going to be good. (laughs) That's not why I'm sharing it. I am sharing it for this reason. We who teach God's word to you need, need, need your prayer. And in the last year of doing, doing uh, teaching, I have, I've gained a new appreciation for those who bring God's word to us each and every week. And some of you are so kind, and, and there's been a few comments, why do we need to get a teaching pastor? Uh, you guys are doing a, a, a fine job. We're doing that by God's grace. But you need to know, I've taught Ephesians maybe three or four times. Um, we need a seminary-trained teacher of God's word. And uh, because this is overwhelming. Just sharing with you. And so I'm excited that God is narrowing it down and and we're on a discovery of who God is going to bring here. And uh, preaching is hard. It's a heavy responsibility and it, it may not always show it. I think we all hide it well, but it's also scary. It's a, it's a heavy thing to bring God's word. And it's a difficult thing uh, to critique yourself and really know when to back up a little bit, start over, or bring some extra clarification. And I remember in the middle of the sermon two weeks ago, 
I was struck by something, and I haven't been able to shake it. And it's this. I'm not sure that I am giving us, or that I gave us, a strong understanding of what it really means to be filled with the Spirit. So I'm, I'm trusting you, and I'm trusting you won't mind then today if we take some time to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I think it's important. You see, being filled with the Spirit, I think, has gotten a bit confusing in the times in which we live. Some believe that being filled with the Spirit is an event, some type of an experience, some type of a euphoria, instant joy that comes upon a believer. But this is not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The, fill, the command to be filled with the Spirit is listed as a positive command after the negative command to not be controlled or not to be drunk with wine, which is dis, debauchery. My King James almost came back. Dissipation. Some of your translation, some translation says, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but instead of that, Instead of the control of wine and alcohol, but be filled, controlled with the Holy Spirit. And literally, what Paul was saying here is this. Be being kept continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled And you know why this is important? See, because Paul is not talking about an event. He's not, gonna, not talking about a sometimes occurrence. He is talking about a constant reality for a believer. You see, this is the way we as God's people are to live. This is our reality. Be kept continually filled with the Spirit. The controlling influence in our lives is to be the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to be filled? In our English language, we view the phrase filling up to be something like this. What do we do? We fill a glass of water. We fill up a box, right? We fill up a bowl full of cereal. On Christmas, we fill stockings with loot. We fill our cars with gasoline. We understand that as filling. But, except this, that's not what Paul is saying here. That's not what Paul is describing when he tells us to be filled with the Spirit. We understand filling up, but Paul is using language here that describes really a filling through. You say, well, what does that mean? John MacArthur gave a great example of this and a great, great way to remember this contrast between filling up like a glass and filling through. You see, we can fill a glass with water and it's kind of static. The water sits there and the glass is filled. But think of this. Think of a sail on a sailboat. Have you ever watched the America's Cup? Like these super fast sailing machines? They're incredible. And when you're watching that, there are moments in the race where the sails go flat, they pull them down, and then they put the sail up, and suddenly the wind grabs the sail, and there's really an instant filling of wind in the sail and there's an explosion of speed and you see the sailboat just take off and it rips through the ocean because the sail goes up and boom the wind hits that sail it's filled and it moves that's what paul is explaining to us that's what he's saying 
Paul is commanding for us to be continually filled, controlled, moved, carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, he is the power and the controller of our lives. The Holy Spirit takes over our life. And I really want us to understand this. This is a dynamic, active filling. It's a filling that takes control. Maybe I can give a few examples to really kind of help you out, help you understand this, to be filled with something. An active filling. Feeling. Fill. Filling. Not feel like a pinch. Fill. You ever been uh, filled with fear? You ever been controlled by fear? Fear can take over and move us, can't it? I've been afraid to the point where fear took control. I've told stories about my older brother. There are very few kids in here, so I don't recommend this. But one day my brother decided to pretend that he went nuts. And he decided to chase me with a knife. I was filled with fear. He was laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing. I was petrified. I ran, like trying to get to the bathroom and lock that door. I was filled with fear. You ever run from someone or something in fear? What if we were hiking in the woods and we saw a mountain lion? Would you be calm? Would you be mellow about that? See, fear can control, can't it? Fear can take over. We can be filled with fear. Ever been filled with sorrow? To the point where sorrow seems to overwhelm and envelop us? It surrounds us? It fills us? John 16, 6, Jesus even says this as he speaks to the disciples when he's going to leave. He says, I'm leaving you. And me saying this to you is filling you with sorrow. But... I'm going to give you something better than me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But when the disciples heard Jesus was leaving, they were filled with sorrow. When we lose a loved one, sometimes sorrow takes over. Life has sorrow. Sorrow and grief is very real, and it can take over when we are filled with sorrow. You see, what we're talking about here is a dominating influence. Sorrow can dominate us. Fear can dominate us and take control. We could be filled with anger. People can be filled with anger. Now, in Christ, we already saw in the scriptures because of all Christ has done, and by his grace, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. But we have a lot of law enforcement here. I've watched a lot of TV. I've watched a lot of news. Why did you kill someone? I was anger, angry, and the anger took over. Now, maybe we haven't murdered anyone, thank the Lord by his grace. But do you ever have anger take over and the words that left your mouth cause great damage? We could be filled with anger to where the anger is now what's controlling us. This is what Paul is saying. Let the dominating influence of our lives be the Holy Spirit. The one who controls us. We are to be filled and under the powerful influence of the Holy Spirit always and continually. I hope that helps clarify a little bit. I hope it clarifies what Paul is saying in this text. You know, I already said this, teaching and preaching is tough. 
It's hard. And I need to go on the record right now and let you know this. What I just told you, what I just shared with, it's not my original thoughts. This past week, I read sermons, I looked at books, I looked at commentaries to help bring this truth to you. This is not Ron's genius. This is godly men, scholars, who thank God the, gift, the church is gifted with. Amen? And I'm thankful for them. I would recommend to you, if you want to study this more and have a nice, first go to the scriptures, but a great book, J.I. Packer, Keep in Step with the Spirit. Great book on the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for ministries like John Piper's and John MacArthur's, and I feel it right to list them as my sources this morning. It's just appropriate. Kind of like, you know, when you, when you write a term paper, you put the notes down. It's important to do that. So, the rest of our text then gives us the results of being filled with the Spirit. You know, back to uh, having a difficult time, I think part of it is too that uh, we ran out of time the last time and then we're about ready to see how the Holy Spirit moves and gives us power for our marriages. And so we're at really, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And uh, we'll, we're going to speak on that, but it's not going to take the full time uh, to really do that. And I'm not going to, for sure, we have to give the text the proper amount of time to talk about marriage and how the Holy Spirit moves and guides us and gives us the power for godly, obedient marriage to, one, to our spouses and then how we live with one another. But the rest of our text that we're in today, it does give us the results of being filled, controlled, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at these, a little bit of review, but let's see if these things are what's dominating our lives. We need to be dominated and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so in the weeks to come, I already said this, we are going to see how the spirit-filled believer is obedient in marriage. We're going to see how the spirit, how spirit-filled children are obedient to parents, how spirit-filled parents parent their children, how when we're controlled by the spirit, how we're good employees or good employers, and how we live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. You see, we are obedient to Christ. Our obedience comes this way, by the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not from our own strength. It's not our own effort. It's not us trying harder. It is the Holy Spirit's power. You see, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. Colossians tells us this, to let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. You see how God's word and the spirit works together. We're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says the same thing. Be filled, be indwelt with the word of God. Let the word of God richly dwell within you. You see, the spirit has this awesome job of revealing Christ as we read this book. And the spirit brings about change in our lives by the power of the word of God. Look at this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. It says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with veiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit is transforming us. We're being changed. 
Think about when you first came to Christ. Are you that same person? We're being changed. Now, is the Spirit continually revealing areas where we need to grow? Yes. I remember as a youngster, you'd see people uh, advanced and have walked with God a long time, and you want to ask them, does it get easier? And their answer is no. The more I know God, the more I see his word, the more I see that I fall short. But you know what that does? It magnifies God's grace. But we're always being changed by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we see the glory of Jesus Christ, when that is revealed by the Holy Spirit of God, we are changed. And how do we see the glory of Christ? He's revealed in his perfect word. We need to love this book. This book really is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God changes our lives because it reveals Christ to us. And it's revealed through the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Before I jump back to Ephesians, I want to look at one final thought on believers in the Holy Spirit, and I want you all to understand this. If you belong to Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. You have it. You received the Holy Spirit at salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says this, your body is the temple, it is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives within you. Let's everybody turn to Romans 8. I want you to know, you don't need to doubt if you have the Holy Spirit or not if you're in Christ. You have him. He indwells you. Look at verse 9. Romans chapter 8. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Reverse that. Take it the opposite way. If you have Christ, you have the Spirit. Paul is clear on this. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We have the spirit. Praise God. This is amazing. This is amazing, and it's not for some ecstatic euphoria. Although, is there joy in the Spirit? Absolutely. We just said in the Spirit there's freedom. I don't know about you, but freedom is better than slavery. We are no longer slaves to sin in Christ. We have the Spirit, and therefore we are free. Do you know what that freedom is? Do you know that apart from Christ, you cannot do anything righteous? Powerless for good. Now, in Christ, Guess what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, for the first time, you now can live a life pleasing to God. That's awesome. That's freedom. And in Christ, we are new. So let's go back to Ephesians 5. 
And let's look at the evidence of a life filled by the Holy Spirit. What is the proof of being filled with the Spirit? It is this. Spirit-filled and Spirit-controlled believers live lives full of joy, thankfulness, and humility. Spirit-filled believers live lives of joy, thankfulness, and humility. Two weeks ago, we talked about joy and thankfulness, but I'm going to ask you again, are you joyful? Do you have joy? The evidence of the Spirit living within you is joy. Being filled with the Spirit, our text says this, it brings about a joyful heart that sings. It says, singing with all your heart to the Lord. When we're filled with the Spirit, we are filled with joyful worship. And how can we not be joyful? How can we not be joyful? We're rescued. We're saved. We're no longer dead in our sins. We're free from death. We're free from sin. We have victory in Christ. Who likes to win? Do you like to win or do you like to lose? How many of you are like ultra competitive? I, I think Derek and JC really aren't upset that they're leaving because they don't like to play games with me. I, and I don't blame them. I don't, I don't like to really play games because I just get over, I want to win. It's like, I'm a winner. I want to win. That's how, that's, that's kind of, yeah, my family's laughing. They're like, oh, would you play if you play, play nice. I like to win. I always, I've, you've heard me say this before, and we'll talk about it probably when we get to parenting. I have always told my kids, if we're playing basketball, if we're playing a game, I will never, ever let you win. That way when you win, you know you did. You're like, oh, you're a mess, Ron. <laughs> I personally believe it's loving. That's not the victory we're talking about, though. Christ has destroyed sin and death by the cross and his resurrection. And we now walk in newness of life. We have heaven awaiting us. We have hope. We are living, I do not need to tell you this, but we are living in a world that is groaning, that has fallen, and it is steeped in sin. It is ugly. Sometimes I feel like the hymn, and I love this hymn, I listened to it this week. All of us right now, you know what? On Jordan's stormy banks we stand, but I am bound for the promised land. We're on a journey for a city that the author of Hebrews wrote about. It's the city Abraham was looking forward to. As he journeyed to the land of promise, he was looking for a city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Guys, friends, brothers and sisters, this world is a mess, but God is sovereign. And this is not our home. You know where my citizenship lies? Do you know where it lies? Do you know where yours? Our citizenship is in heaven. First and foremost, hate to break it to you, 
Your secondary citizenship is the United States. First and foremost, our citizenship is in heaven. And who is our leader? Not anyone we elect. Our king is Jesus. This city where we're headed to, our true home, it's going to have a king who will rule in power and majesty and holiness. This is the only ruler we can fully trust. Jesus Christ is our ruler. Jesus Christ is our king. He is the highest of all. And we can know this for certain. All will bow to him. Hillary, Donald, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, the best, the best of presidents and kings and rulers to the worst of presidents, the worst kings, the worst rulers, and the worst candidates. They will all bow down to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't let this world rob you of joy. It wants to steal it from you. It wants you to worry and to fret that the world is falling apart. It isn't. Because God is sovereign and his sovereignty rules over all. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. Do you know what it means to have an established throne? It means it's established. It's not moving. You cannot remove God from his throne and his sovereignty rules over all. And one day we will bow to him and all will bow to him. Don't let the world rob you of this joy. This country can collapse around us. We could lose our money in an instant. We can go through peril. We can go through trial. Yet we have joy because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have Jesus Christ. Look, this political season is the worst. I'm not that old. 48. It's the worst I've ever seen. I'm sure probably somewhere in history it's been worse. But it's ugly. It's sick. It's sinful. It is showing the worst of humankind. But do you want to know what this election season is also? It's an open door for the gospel. This election offers no eternal hope. Zero. Guess what? No election ever did. Someone will say, Donald is rotten. Another says, Hillary is rotten. What should we say? You know what I say? Ron Firstbrook, apart from Christ, is rotten and dead in his sins. Left to myself, left to ourselves, all of us would still be a rotten mess. Without Christ, we're rotten, dead in our sins. But now in Christ, I am a new creation. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can have joy. Not can have. We have joy when we're filled with the Spirit. And we prove that joy when we gather together. What a refuge it is to come together as God's people and say, it doesn't matter what's going on out there. In here, in my life, in my home, where I work, I have Jesus and he is enough. He is our hope. We're new. This brings joy. So let's be joyful. Let's sing to one another. Let's sing and proclaim the glories of Christ to one another. Let's continue to do that because we already do it. Let's excel more and more. 
in Christ, under the influence and the filling of the Holy Spirit, we are also thankful. Oh, it's so important for us to be thankful. In all things, giving thanks always and for everything. Now, is that difficult? If we're honest, that's tough. Proof of the Holy Spirit's power within you when you can give thanks for everything. Can we do that by ourselves? No. We need the Holy Spirit, don't we, brothers and sisters? And then we give thanks for all things. Let's stop complaining. Let's stop grumbling. Let's be thankful. We're child, children of God. Are you thankful for that? I am. What else do I need? What does a Christian have to complain about, really? You know, we just spent three chapters seeing all God has done for us in Christ, and we still want to complain? We must know who we are in Christ, and when we know who we are in Christ, when we're controlled and dominated and moved and filled by the Spirit, we surrender our lives to Jesus, and we become joyful and thankful for everything. Finally, under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit, by the filling of the Holy Spirit, we are humble. Oh boy. Humility, my opinion, we like it sometimes, but this world doesn't hold humility in the highest regards, my opinion. You can argue it on some levels. We'll go, oh, what a humble guy. But I think it's proven sometimes that we kind of like the brash, arrogant person of power. That's not who Christ is. Christ is humble. Christ humbled himself. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and he became the likeness of men. And he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Philippians. We are to be humble. Verse 21 says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is that saying? Because of Jesus Christ, because of the cross, because of what God has done for us, you are more important than me. Your needs come first. In Christ, we don't have agendas except to give glory to him. We don't have our own agenda in Christ. We give up control. Any of you control? Control freaks like to be in control over everything? Any of you like break out in a sweat when you're not in control? Give control to God. We give up control. In Christ, we submit to one another. We step aside 
and we care for others first. We submit to one another in the church. And this is a pivotal point because it's going to move on into submission that Paul is going to tell us about in our family relationships. The Christian life is about submission. We submit to Christ and then we submit to one another. If a person is acting arrogant, pushy, or self-assertive, they are not walking in the Spirit. Listen to this quote by John Stott. The Holy Spirit is a humble spirit, and those who are truly filled with him always display the meekness and gentleness of Christ. It is one of their most evident characteristics that they submit to one another. I like that. The Holy Spirit is a humble spirit. Humility. With humility of mind, let each of you regard what? One another as more important than yourself. It's what God's word says. And what's the motive for our submission? Why? The fear of Christ. We submit out of reverence for Christ. You see, Christ is our example. That is the example we follow. We submit to others because Jesus is the highest authority in our lives. Does that make sense? We submit to others because Jesus is the highest authority and it's what he tells us to do. We belong to Christ. He is our ruler. He is our king. So we in worship and reverence gladly submit to him and his rule and then we serve others with humility, grace, and mercy. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we'll see in the weeks to come how this submission works. But it is a wonderful thing to give up control to Jesus. It's great. Do it. He loves us, He's in control. Let us submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. What a gift you have given us. Father, thank you that we don't need to wonder if the Spirit comes or the Spirit goes. Is he left? Is he here now? Has he gone away? No, we are a dwelling place of you. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Thank you that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Spirit dwells within us. You have not left us alone ever. We have you controlling us directing us, moving us, empowering us every single moment of every day. So, Father, may we be a people who do not grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Let us not extinguish what we have within us. But, Father, may we keep our eyes focused on your word, focused on you. Father, thank you that the Holy Spirit shows us Jesus Christ so that we can have lives that are powerfully living for you. 
Father, thank you that we're not weak in what you've told us to do. Oh, Father, as you've given us the Spirit, as we see this, we truly understand that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We understand that even more because we have you living within us. And so, Father, we thank you for the power that works mightily within us. Oh, Father, may we be a people who are pleasing to you, who keep in step, who walk by the Spirit, so that we will not carry out the sinful desires of the flesh. Thank you that in Christ, you have given us the power for holy, powerful, obedient living because the Spirit lives within us. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for this morning. What a joy it is to be with the people of God. Your chosen ones, the ones you've called out so that we can gather together to give you praise, to hear from your word, and to exalt you and recognize you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, we ask this. Please come quickly. We desire for you to come. We look forward to seeing you and worshiping you face to face. Thank you for the promise that you have not left us alone and that you are coming again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.